BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Friday, May 5th, and I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Happy Friday, folks. Or happy Friday show. I actually I refer say. to it as happy day after you get Hello Fresh. Ah. Day. Uh, there you go. Okay. There's <laughs> that. Yeah. yeah no. so, so what'd you get? I had a big box when I got home and it was full of, believe it or not, I even had some desserts in there. What do you ever do? Oh, tell me about that. Lava like cake, chocolate desserts. lava cake. Yeah, right. she had one before I even got home. Right. Uh, and easy to do. You actually can pop that in the oven for a very short amount of time, or she put it in microwave, and within like a minute, it had uh, chocolate oozing out of the top of it. Oozing. Oozing. That's love. That's, yeah, it was that's love. That's cheating. Microwave? Come on. <laughs> hey, you Just know, for you the dessert. Put a little effort But that in. big old box you got is all biodegradable stuff, too. Yeah, Recycle yeah. stuff. They're big on green. Jim's people. big on the on the HelloFresh desserts. What was the one you were touting last time? That was the pecan pie, Mike, which also did not last long in my household. Did, yeah. did the pecan pie microwave? That wasn't a microwave. No, but I heated that in the oven, and it was unbelievably good. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff hey, in HelloFresh. You didn't say a pecan pie from HelloFresh is good. We, we, doing like we do them down here. Yeah. yeah it had to be good. Yeah. Well, that's you know, right. Th- these are healthy meals, Jim, but if your meals are pecan pie and lava cake yeah. each time, probably not as well, healthy small as choosing servings. some of the others. The good thing about I'll tell oh, you it's this. not your entire meal. You mean you that's have right. some other stuff with it? Okay, <laughs> that's right. the good thing about it. If you go buy a lava cake at the store, you're going to eat a piece the size of Dallas, right? right. That's right. that's how big your piece is going to be. These are little individual size, so they're just enough that you you get your uh, your taste buds on fire. Uh, awesome, and you don't awesome. overeat. Hey, that's code R L R C fifty for fifty percent off. Y'all. Fifty, yes. 50. I, I think as Cindy said, my bar. New box is coming in today. So, well, I'll be going to your house an hour before you get there, <laughs> <laughs> guys. You're gonna think that this is so weird because it is. Because I was thinking as I was thinking what I was thinking, how weird what I was thinking was, if that makes any sense. But uh, I'm not sure how much the audience knows about our history and relationships, but I only know you guys a few months. You know each other how many years? Years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Close to three Uh, years. Three years. Three years. Okay. So really for 90% of our lives, nobody knew each other. I mean, this is fate that has brought us together in different ways. 
I say that all the time. It's fate with me and Woody. It was okay, just fate. Right. Okay, and so this love is not. Story. This is not. This is not Mike. <laughs> this is not Mike playing the victim. I don't want that to be the takeaway for anyone. But I swear, I had a dream. We were all in high school together. You would have never passed high school, Mike. <laughs> well, been there was something very different about me. I was a Buttafuoco character <laughs> in high school. No, seriously. I mean, I'm dead. I promise you. Yeah, this, this happened. Dream. I mean, I woke up in a sweat because, you know, it's sort of like people say to me all the time, you don't have, how come you don't have a Long Island accent? How come I, I can't figure out where you, where you grew up? I, I don't know. I just... I, I read some books and most people on Long Island don't, I, I don't know, <laughs> but I, this is the, this is the way I talk and, and having the Buttafuoco character uh, thrown at me as aggressively as he has been thrown, I guess in the recesses of, of my mind, this caused this thing to come out. And so Woody is, uh, is actually solving crimes in the school he's 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 a cop has verses to commit them in, when I in, was in, school. in the school well you might have been committing some of them yeah. and jim was like mr fix it like everything around the school that broke I you were fixing control what you mean that toilet keeps running you better go I catch just, it and then you know but you, you never think about this you meet people whatever stage in life you meet people and you know them at that stage in their lives, but wouldn't it be just totally cool if we could, you know, if AI could, uh, could handle this, we'd hit a button and just for a day, the three of us are classmates in high oh, school. I mean, that would have been, that would yes, have been pretty, uh, uh, pretty funny. Absolutely. I also, by the way, <laughs> I don't know why I did this, but I, uh, I Dylan Reeves was in my dream. So uh, I don't know if I had just watched the bus video uh, or or I did w just watch the bus video or I watched the bus video a couple of times because people were, were going. Who's Dylan uh, Reese? The, he's the our kid, hero, seventh our seventh grader. grade hero who stopped, oh, yeah, 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 stopped yeah, yeah, the bus yeah, yeah. yesterday. I did that story, yeah. I, and, I was thinking he might have gotten wrong with somebody else. I don't know. No, no, I, I just think that in this day and age where kids seem to be far less mature at certain ages than they were when we were that age. Not that any of the three of us would have been the guy who jumped up and stopped that bus. Shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, in it. But, but, Shit. but that's an amazing, I, I mean, it really is an amazing, <laughs> amazing thing that, 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 that kid did. Yeah. And so I, Props. I wasn't at all surprised to find out he was now dating the entire cheerleading uh, group from his middle school. So, uh, he, <laughs> He has he has earned the right to date all the cheerleaders at the same time. So enough of Mike's enough of Mike's screwed up. Another uh, Woody Overton high school story. Enough of Mike's screwed up <laughs> dreams. Enough of Mike's screwed up dreams, and uh, I don't know what any of that means. I really, if that company had sponsored us like they should have, where I could call and talk to the shrink. Right, right. They did those jerks. No, they didn't. Oh, they, the, uh, they used to uh, sponsor me before I. Well, that so was something that was that, offensive to him. So that was that was them. that was pre-Mike. But if they <laughs> had bothered to jump on board and sponsor us, I'd be calling them today about. It. Okay, so we've got a a, uh, a few updates for you. These uh, some of, of these major stories that we hit on on uh, Wednesday show have uh, uh, 
uh, have remained at the uh, at the top of uh, b- the breaking news story. So I'm going to talk about Francisco Oropesa in Texas. I think all three of us were convinced he had made a run for the border and was probably in uh, Mexico and that this was going to be a long-term thing trying to get this guy into uh, custody. But he wasn't nearly as smart as we thought yeah. he was. So uh, – so Oropeso is the Mexican national who was accused of the quintuple murder in Cleveland, Texas, last Friday night. Having been back and forth between the U.S. and Mexico many times, most feared Oropeso was long gone and back in his home country again, just like, like we did. Turns out Oropeso didn't get nearly that far. Authorities have credited the arrest of the Texas mass shooting suspect, which happened on Tuesday evening, to a tip submitted through the FBI tip line. Somebody got a tip, Sheriff Greg Caper said during a press conference Tuesday. It was a multi-jurisdictional operation, to say the least. They had DPS, CID, U.S. Marshals, FBI, uh, uh, alcohol, tobacco, firearms. They had everybody. We had a tag team, and they all meandered uh, all through the county. And in the end, 140-something law enforcement officers, I believe they had on this, it was a tip that came in that that, – that changed the outcome here. So the tip about the suspect's location came in about 5.15 p.m. And just a little bit over an hour later, Oropeso was taken uninjured into custody in the Cleveland area. The tipster uh, received or is receiving the $55,000 tip that Governor Greg Abbott put up for Oropeso's arrest. The uh, FBI special agent in charge, James Smith, announced an additional $25,000 FBI reward. So uh, $80,000 ended up being the, uh, the total uh, reward. But uh, this guy who committed these horrible acts was found in a closet hiding under a pile of laundry. Original, not. <laughs> I mean, think of what a cowardly end to somebody who could commit those kind of gruesome crimes yeah. could be that big a coward. So, I'm just glad they, kept, they called his yeah, ass. I can't wait to see what his last words are. I think he's going to cry like a little bitch when they strap him down on the table. That's right. And execute him because Texas will execute him. Well, yeah. uh, a number of friends and family uh, were helping him. So he was on the lam with assistance from uh, – Lock them up. From a number of folks, and uh, and some arrests have already uh, been made, uh, including his uh, his wife and some friends oh, that uh, uh, that either owned or rented the place that he was eventually found in. I also think while they haven't released the tipster, it sounds like since they were given the exact location, that maybe the tipster was family. Or yeah. a very close friend who uh, who had second thoughts about uh, about helping him. So, from one horrible story to another, I think Jim, you've got an update. Yeah. So we told you about on our on our Monday episode the seven people that were found dead in Oklahoma, and at the time, this was a very fluid situation. There wasn't a whole lot of information. We didn't even know at that time. Uh, of course, we speculated that possibly he it was a murder suicide with this guy, but we didn't have any confirmation of that. Some 
some information has come out not only on that, but also on the identity of those bodies uh, that were found in Oklahoma. So we're going to we're going to speed you through this and just kind of take you through a quick trip through what we discussed on Monday and tie that in. Um, on Monday, authorities in Oklahoma were searching for missing teens Ivy Webster, who was 14, and Brittany Burr, 16, on rural property near the tiny, tiny town of Henrietta when they discovered seven bodies strewn on the ground, including those of the girls. Police also found the bodies of Holly Guess, who was 35, and her teenage children, Riley Allen, 17, Michael James Mayo, 15, and Tiffany Dor Guess, who was 13. Authorities believe Guess's husband, Jesse McFadden, 39, shot and killed them all before taking his own life in a murder-suicide. Now, Ivy and Tiffany have been friends for years and lived about a half a mile away from each other, and they talked to some of these families and friends uh, by the name of Justin Webster, Actually said we knew him just because our kids were so close we would communicate, pick up, drop offs, stuff like that. Uh, but we weren't friendly outside of that. But we had met him and Holly many times. But the Websters didn't know that Guess's new husband McFadden was a convicted sex offender who had recently been released from prison. We had no idea. They both said. They also didn't know that he had a uh, court date on Monday to answer child pornography charges. Law enforcement went to his house to serve a warrant for his arrest when he failed to show up in court. Justin said he and his family moved to the area two years ago. Tiffany Guess and our daughter were best friends. Now, Holly Guess never said anything but should have said something, Justin said. We didn't really know about this guy. We had read up on him, and he was a little weird, but we felt comfortable, especially knowing several of our daughter's friends would go over there all the time and hang out. They would go over there on weekends. Tiffany would come over here to our house, and she would stay over here the weekends. He also added, we never suspected any sort of maliciousness. Now, Ivy was supposed to sleep over at Tiffany's house Saturday night and be home by 5 p.m. Sunday, her parents said. When she failed to come home, they filed a missing persons report. Nathan Brewer also filed a missing uh, persons report for his daughter, Brittany. An Amber alert got issued Monday morning for the two girls who were seen around 1 a.m. that morning, according to the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. And at the time they were reported missing, the teens were believed to possibly be traveling in a white pickup with McFadden. The Webster's only learned that McFadden was a registered sex offender who served time for prison on Monday. We just didn't find out until we saw the Amber Alert with his mugshot on our phone and it started blowing up, Ashley Weber said. Nathan found out about his daughter from Justin. Uh, I got out of the car and he had met me at the car, gave me a big hug and was just crying. And he said, she's gone. They're all gone. And I'm like, you're joking. And he said, no, they're all gone. Justin said he can't believe anyone in the community uh, no one in the community was told that a sex offender was living in their midst. And he wonders why McFadden was even released from prison. I'm angry with the system. And I think everybody in this whole country should be angry with the system. He said, this is a man that had priors. He was a sex offender. He was let loose on a sentence that should have been in there longer. And if you ask me, 
if you messed up one time, you should be in there for life. Now, to, to let you know what happened in 2003, McFadden pleaded guilty to first-degree rape. He was sentenced to 28 years but was released early in 2020 after serving 17 years. In 2016, he was accused of sending nude photos to a minor using contraband cell phone and communicating with that minor from prison. Those allegations led to charges of sexual conduct, solicitation with a minor by use of technology, and another count of possessing child porn. McFadden was supposed to appear in court Monday to face trial for those charges. Holly Guess's mother, Jan Mayo, said she and her family never liked McFadden, who she called a con man and who lied about his past crimes. Her daughter was a victim, she said. My daughter would never do anything to harm her children. She was not an accomplice in this. McFadden even went so far as to have the woman, a woman pretend to be a victim of a 2003 rape call to tell Mayo the real story. He even set up a fake Facebook page for this person. After learning about the deaths, a woman called family to let them know she had posed as McFadden's victim and that he had paid her to do so. So this is what you call an all-around piece of shit. Unbelievable. I, mean, I wonder what happened to notifying uh, or the regulation when he gets out on parole and notifying your neighbors about being a sex offender and all that. Now, the, there was a woman who survived a 2003 rape, but she prefers to remain anonymous. And she has commented as saying, I'm sorry that Holly met him, and I'm sorry that she's traumatized and victimized by him. And I'm sorry these little girls had to go through this. That's what I'm sorry about. I'm sorry that the justice system failed them. Now, this 2003 survivor said that McFadden held a knife to her throat in her dad's mobile home when she was 16 and he was 19. He tied her up with her dad's belts and stuffed her mouth full of socks to gag her. He threatened to kill her and her family and ordered her to throw her their clothes in the washing machine to hide the evidence. She ran away. She asked for help from the neighbors. They called 911, and she also called her best friend, whose father was the warden at a nearby prison. They came straight to her rescue. They found him at the river with his wrist slit. It was that earlier attempt at suicide, she said, that gave her a sickening feeling over the weekend when she learned that McFadden was being sought in connection with that Amber Alert regarding those missing teens. She already had a a good idea that this wasn't good. Yeah. Evil truly exists. Evil. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just unbelievable that uh, there were all of these prior sleepovers. These kids were all, you know, like kids do. We all have, have been through it with our kids where however many kids are in the circuit, your kid's constantly sleeping over their Not house, in my or, house where they're constantly sleeping over, uh, over yours. Uh, and, uh, so these, these kids were familiar with him. They'd been to the house many, many times. Uh, I just can't imagine the shock that they experienced when he, when the dad of a friend turned on them in yeah. that kind of a manner. And then for the, Parents to find out uh, a couple you entrusted to uh, to watch over your kid during sleepover parties, et cetera, uh, you know, was a convicted uh, 
felon and, and pedophile and you knew nothing about it. It's just all so horrible. Yeah, it is. They're not going to put the human, I mean, he's not going to put his pedophile face on. Uh, I'm, he groomed those victims. And what's horrible about this is, is not only the rapes or uh, alleged rapes, the, uh, what's horrible is they're all dead. Right. And, and hearts go out to the victims and the families. Um, I'm going to take you to another, another story. Y'all heard us talk about Madison Brooks, who um, was severely intoxicated leaving Reggie's bar. And we talked about Reggie's getting their license suspended forever, the owner, on the last episode. But last night it came out about the driver of the vehicle um, that Madison was allegedly raped in. And she was riding in before they put her out on the street, and she was run over and killed. You know, I've been talking to people about this case, Madison's case, and they, they were like, oh, there was a video, and the driver, uh, she was calling him gay, and he wouldn't have sex with her. Well, y'all, she couldn't have sex, consent, legally under Louisiana law, because her BAC and all that. So I know where it's going from, from a criminal mind standpoint, a criminal investigator standpoint, and you, the people have been getting little excerpts of the video uh, and what Madison was saying right before she got out of the car. Well, guess what? A grand jury got the full real story yesterday. And an East Baton Rouge Parish grand jury indicted a Denham Springs teenager on two rape charges Wednesday, saying he was a central figure in an assault that left LSU student Madison Brooke dead last winter. Authorities have previously said Case and Carver, 18, drove Brooks and three men away from an LSU area bar last winter. Brooks died in the hospital after being struck by a vehicle along Burbank Drive. Two people in Carver's car have been accused of actually sexually assaulting the woman. Prosecutors said Carver did not have sex with Brooks, and police initially accused him of third-degree rape. The Louisiana law cited by grand juries Wednesday said Carver's actions facilitated the crime, and he was charged with both first-degree rape and third-degree rape. Carver's lawyer, Joe Long, said the charges were anticipated but unwarranted. What else is he going to say, right? He, he went on to say, we expected this indictment based on what happened to Mr. Carter, despite the fact that my client didn't have sex with Madison Brooks. He declined sex when offered and was called gay when he wouldn't have sex with her. The DA has seen it fit to pursue charges that could put him in the prison for the rest of his life. Facts don't matter when the mob wants their pound of flesh. That's what Carver's attorney Long said. First degree rape occurs when two or more offenders take part. In its definition of participation, the law notes both taking part in the actual rape or to physically assist in the commission of such act. Third-degree rape includes assaults where the victim is intoxicated and that the perpetrator should have known they were incapacitated. Brooks' blood alcohol content was .319, or nearly four times the level of which the driver is considered drunk. And y'all, the... Uh, We've told you all about the story of, about Kevin Washington and and what happened that night and, and two of them that actually had sex with her and, and they put her out of the vehicle in Burbank and she was run over. Um, everybody's been arrested. Kevin Washington's been arrested for more charges of, of different victims that came forward afterwards. Lawyers for Kevin Washington, one who I've known 
know very well and worked with over the years, Ron Haley, um, says, speaking, engaging in conversations, very vulgar language to the driver of the vehicle, being the carver. Attorney Ron Haley said while discussing video, implying that he's not straight based on him not wanting to engage in certain activities with her. It doesn't put anyone in the best light, but again, not being put in the best light isn't the same thing as rape. And, of course, Madison Brooks' family came back out and said, hey, you know what, under Louisiana law, this is rape, and that's exactly what this grand jury uh, confirmed yesterday. So he's charged, and yeah. he's going to catch the charge. And everybody wants to play fucking armchair quarterback and say this didn't happen, this or you know, well, this or this. You don't know people what you don't know that – Grand jury, yeah, you, the, the saying is you can indict a ham sandwich. Well, guess what? That ham sandwich got indicted twice. That's it. I mean, that's it. We're, we're going to have to wait for the trial. And it's a horrible case. And it, and you know, people think what they want to think. The evidence is going to be there or they wouldn't be taking this to trial. The world has become a smaller place and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show. And that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Au revoir. Au revoir. All right, so stay tuned. We'll definitely keep you updated on that. We're going to go to Pennsylvania. A teacher was killed in front of an 11-year-old who was her son at Duncan Donuts in the drive-thru. Two people allegedly plotted to kill the 35-year-old in front of her 11-year-old son at Duncan Donuts drive-thru lane. She's the victim of a months-long murder-for-hire plot. This is according right. to authorities. Zaki Al-Hakim, 33, and Julie Jean were arrested in connection with the death of a 35-year-old who was known as Rachel King. Both are charged with first-degree murder, third-degree murder, and conspiracy. On April 11th, around 7.30 a.m., King was fatally shot by a fleeing gunman, allegedly Al-Hakim, as her 11-year-old son sat in the back seat of her car. Investigators now believe Jean plotted to kill King months before the murder with the help of Al-Hakim. After King's longtime boyfriend, William Hayes, ended his alleged affair with Jean, 
last year. When Hayes broke off the relationship with Jean, she allegedly continued to text, call, harass the couple, prompting Hayes to obtain a protection order for abuse uh, from Jean. This cold-blooded killing of Rachel King was target a targeted murder of an innocent person planned by these two defendants and horrifically carried out in front of King's son, this stated by the district attorney. In mid-February, Jean made contact with Ahakim, the cousin of her children's father. Investigators claim the suspects communicated and met multiple times leading up to the murder. In mid-February, Jean made contact with Ahakim, the cousin of her three children's father, and investigators claim the suspects communicated and met multiple times leading up to the murder. Authorities said a photo montage of King was found on the suspected shooter's phone, along with a Google map screenshot of King's exact apartment and surrounding areas. So there's some damning evidence for you. During the investigation into King's death, Gene deleted nearly 800 text messages of Al-Hakim just 13 minutes before the interview of police on April 12th. Gene and Ahakim were essentially linked by a silver mercury sable that was seen on surveillance video at the scene of King's shooting outside of King's home in the days leading up to that death. Ahakim obtained the vehicle on March 30th, 2023, less than two weeks before the murder. When Ahakim and Gene were together, uh, they went to buy it at a shop in Philadelphia, and the vehicle was purchased in Julie Jean's name. On April 11th, Ahakim parked the car outside the Dunkin' Donuts, walked up to King's Ford Edge, and fired shots into the driver's side window. The suspect fled, and the responding officers recovered six 9mm cartridge casings from the scene. In addition, authorities say Ahakim is a suspect in a separate homicide on April 7th in Philadelphia. The same Mercury Sable and 9mm ghost gun Detectives believe he used in King's death was apparently involved in the other killings. Hakeem was arrested and charged with the April 7th murder. King has worked as a teacher with the Grover Cleveland Elementary School for more than a decade. And friends, families, colleagues, they set up a GoFundMe page for her. Uh, King's father, who is a reverend, uh, said that his family is seeking justice and that they want it done accurately and fairly. Hakeem is jailed at the current Fromhold Correctional Facility in Philadelphia, while Gene is being held at the Montgomery County Correctional Facility. Both are denied bail. Well, another crazy ass story, right? And absolutely, <laughs> and the planning is horrible with these people. A, a breakup causes this. First of all, that guy was a busy hitman. He had two hits in the same month. Yeah, right. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a heavy that's workload, isn't it? Maybe what's it? Rentahitman.com. He might have gone to rentahitman.com <laughs> and put up his shit. I'm not making light of the two people who were murdered. He's a piece yeah, of it's shit. Awful. He should be murdered. So, y'all, let me take you to another story. And I, I don't think people realize how common the these this story is, uh, but most of the time, unfortunately results in the death of, of police officers. But if you hadn't seen this video, go watch it. I don't know if we have the capability of posting it. Um, but there's a video released by Fairfax County police on Tuesday that shows an officer making a traffic stop 
on southbound Fairfax County Parkway near Braddock Road at about 11.40 a.m. Monday. The officer has a gray sedan pulled onto the right shoulder and is speaking to the driver through the passenger window. Now, that's so he could be safe out of the traffic, right? Um, but suddenly, a black sedan speeds around a curve. Now, this is coming at, at him, not behind him. Uh, a black sedan speeds around a curve, spins out, and screams across the grass median and spins backward. The officer sees it happen and starts to run. The car collides head-on, and the striking vehicle spins, clipping the officer's right leg and then smashing into the police cruiser. The the, the y'all, it was a 17-year-old driver driving a car, and it was going well over 120 miles per, per hour. Um, if the officer had not run, he would have lost his life or minimum his legs. And the officer popped up um, back up and jumped on his radio immediately and says, my cruiser were hit. My cruiser was hit. The driver was hit trying to check on injuries. So but this, you know, I know, I know of several people that I've known over my career that have been killed on traffic stops. People just run the fuck over. It's dangerous. And, and, and the Willie Graves, the, the my first sheriff, when he was on in uniform patrol, he had somebody pulled over and he was standing in between two cars, riding a ticket or whatever. Somebody came behind and hit the car and he got pinned between two cars. That's oh, wow. why he, he still, his legs are a little messed up to this day. His walk, um, uh, a trooper, Got killed on the bridge. I'm going down south one today on on the I 55 over the uh, Man Shack and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he was a Vietnamese descent, and I can't remember his name. Sorry, brother, but the he fucking wide ass road. You could see it forever, right? And and you that's why I like to dump bodies everything. there so much because you could see people coming from such a long way. And he had his lights on, everything else. Car ran over, ran over, and killed him. Wow. And so y'all. That if you see a cop car with somebody pulled over or whatever, an ambulance on the side of the road with the lights on, it's, a, it's actually a law in Louisiana now. You have to get over if you're on a four lane, you know, on the interstate, whatever, get over and give them. Give him some slack. Absolutely, and this kid driving a hundred and twenty miles. An yeah, hour. yeah, and it's horrific. The the video, which yeah. we can and will post on the Facebook yeah. page, so look for that. Yeah, it uh, it was not that cop's time. No, because no, uh, no. I, I mean, when you look at it and you calculate the all the moving parts and the weight of the moving parts, yeah. and basically, if he was anywhere other than where he was. Yeah. And and it was alert too. I mean, he well, of course, he heard that car coming. He heard it, and also the fact that what he had pulled over was a seven series BMW, which is a tank. That car did not give that much way uh, when it was struck, and then the other car sort of spun uh, around his body. It uh, that's a uh, thank your lucky stars. I I want y'all to check something out. Next time you see a cop that has somebody pulled over, I want you to look at their front driver's side tire and tell me what position it's in and get back to me on the next episode. Interesting. And I, I'll even send you a picture because I was on the way to Wisconsin and I stopped in Springfield, Missouri um, to get a little rest. And they were home at Bass Pro Shop. 
Yeah, really? I, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I didn't go. The, uh, but the so I I took a picture. I was talking to a cop buddy of mine via text, and I, I was outside burning one. And <laughs> the I'm looking at the three vehicles, all three SUVs, and I took a picture. And I said to him, I said, can you tell me which one is the cop car? And he said, oh, yeah, definitely. So y'all do that. I had to research that one. Do that. Very good. A couple different reasons. Next. We're going to leave the United States. Um, We've talked about a number of vigilante stories within the United States. We're going to go to the island nation of Haiti. At least 18 people have been killed by crowds in the town of Port-au-Prince, Uh, the capital in the past week. Five men were killed and set on fire by a crowd of Haitian vigilantes Tuesday for suspected gang activity. The Caribbean nation's worsening gang violence epidemic has drawn international ire. The prime minister, Ariel Henry, has condemned the vigilante killings, ordering residents to, quote, calm down. Vigilante killings are surging in Haiti's capital and surrounding areas where an additional five men were murdered and set on fire Tuesday by a crowd that left one of the bodies near a police station. The male victims were apparently brought out alive from the slums of outside Port-au-Prince and then killed, according to people in the crowd. Most of the bodies were left strewn along the road that leads to the home of former President Havanel Moise, who himself was killed back in July of 2021. A fifth body was left close to the police station in a suburb. It's horrible for them to be killed in front of the eyes of the police, said John Mark Etienne, who witnessed the scene while sitting in the park in front of the station. Quote, this shows that nobody is safe, that anybody can be killed. At least 18 people have been reported killed by crowds in Port-au-Prince and surrounding areas in the past week. The killings come as some Haitians say they are tired and angry over escalating gang violence, which is up 20% so far this year, as well as a dramatic increase in kidnappings. 637 kidnappings have been reported so far this year, which is a 63% increase compared to 2022. The police and justice uh, officials have to take control, ETN said, of the vigilante killings. Overall, more than 130,000 Haitians have fled their communities as gangs break into homes, set them on fire, and kill people in territory held by rival gangs. We talked about El Salvador last week and the fact that in 2015, it was the murder capital of the world and the changes that the government made. Uh, I have an idea. We need a new segment. Places not to, to go. Not to go. <laughs> well, right. I, I think and that I will think be that, number one. On that, that I think Haiti has long been right. on that list. Haiti, uh, Jamaica, Bali. Uh, uh, you know, it's a shame. I don't know that Bali should be on that Special list. Special K prison. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's no wonder uh, so many of the people at the southern border are Haitians that are uh, seeking asylum in the United States because it has been awful in that country for a very long hey, time. But you know but what? I think somebody is living large in Haiti. Haiti. Some people are, right. uh, but a very small portion yeah. of the It's good the to population. be king. Yes. I would bet that the government in Haiti is going to follow El Salvador's lead and attempt to do something similar because the gangs are running the country. The murder rate is out of control. Citizens are scared to death and yeah. everybody well, is trying to get out of the country. Uh, again, places <laughs> where they got going. Got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. And it's a shame, actually, because some of those places are beautiful. I'm sure it is. You know, and they could be a probably a rich country off of tourism. I'm sure they could. But they kill each other over there. 
Yeah, just uh, Mexico is beautiful too. I ain't going trying to go to Boys Town anytime. That's soon. right. That's right. All right. Uh, an NYPD detective has died uh, after 33 years in a coma. What? Yeah. I think, so, well, yeah, I think I know about this. Yeah. So a New York City Police Department detective who spent more than three decades in a coma after being shot during a 1990 robbery has passed that away. Uh, Patterson went into a vegetative state on January 16th, 1990, after being shot in the head while washing his car when three individuals approached him in search of $20. The shooter, identified as 15-year-old Tracy Clark, was accompanied by then 17-year-old Darren Crawford and then 20-year-old Vincent Robbins into the ambush as they were in need of money to play in a local basketball tournament. All three served times for various convictions and have since been released. But Patterson, who was 27 at the time of the shooting, never regained consciousness. Ah, rest in peace, dude. That's yeah, that's just awful. His, uh, his son, Troy Patterson Jr., who was only five at the time of the incident, uh, said that while his dad had limited ability to communicate, he was able to react to his family's voices, and sometimes he smiled, chuckled, or even laughed. That was tough, you know. Five years old, a little kid, practically a baby, you know, seeing your dad laid up in the hospital, tubes, stomach, nose, you know, everywhere, mouth. It was tough, but with the family there guiding him in the NYPD, we got through it. The NYPD is going to honor Patterson on Monday by lining up his funeral parlor for a dignified transfer. Wow, rest in peace. Well, they must... they must have one hell of an insurance uh, situation there at the NYPD well, because take care of you're uh, needing that kind of care for 33 years and they're, well, they're paying for it. I think my wife's over under would be about 33 days and the uh, and the hook would get pulled on me. Insurance and, and police, uh, you know, they can take care of their own uh, horrible story and rest in peace. And Well, and folks, if you don't want to be that guy – Make sure you have a DNR because. Yeah. Well, the, 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 this is kind of confusing the story because they said he was in a vegetative, vegetative yeah. state. And if you're in a vegetative state, you can't. I was thinking when he said vegetative state, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to live that long. I don't want to be that way. Let local come harvest my organs exactly. and, and do whatever with them. But then evidently in the beginning, he could speak and communicate. So. Well, I didn't say speak. I don't think he could speak. They said he could laugh or smile, which well, I, I don't know if they could communicate however, right? And this one. It's just pure freaking crazy. Uh, um, an Arkansas woman has pleaded not guilty to charges that she sold 20 boxes of stolen, pizza. Oh. stolen pizza body parts. Oh, from medical school cadavers to a Pennsylvania man for nearly 11 grand. Wait, didn't that they sold what? It should be. It should be. But listen to this shit. The April 5th indictment unsealed Friday in federal court in Little Rock accuses Candace Chapman Scott, 36 years old, a former mortuary worker, of setting up the transactions with a man she had met through Facebook in a group about oddities. Hmm. Now, how in the fuck I get put in Facebook jail every week <laughs> when we're trying to do, do Wait, legitimate that, that posts? that woman, that picture? They, that they can pi- have a Facebook group of, and where they, they sell fucking body parts. Wait, that so, picture right there is of yeah. a 30-something-year-old woman? Yeah, right. The, the, I mean, I, we'll show I, the picture online. I, I think you know if you work Mike's in a mortuary that you begin to look more and more dead as yeah. time goes on because well, that's – 
That's I, not a thirty something. I'm, I'm injecting. I got no. Now y'all can go look up that Facebook group uh, if they sh- uh, hadn't shut it down. Um, Scott, a Little Rock resident, pleaded not guilty to twelve counts, including conspiracy to commit mail fraud, mail fraud, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, wire fraud, conspiracy to commit interstate transportation of stolen property, and interstate transportation of stolen property. Scott is jailed with a hearing on whether she would be released on bail scheduled for Tuesday. A lawyer for Scott did not immediately answer an email, but whatever. The buyer is not identified in the federal indictment, but separate state charges in Pennsylvania name him as Jerry Lee Polly of Enola, Pennsylvania. Scott was employed at Arkansas Central Mortuary Services, where part of her job was to transport, cremate, or embalm remains. Am you going to tell you something? Not everybody, because, I mean, some of my dear family friends run um, funeral homes and shit, but I'm going to tell you something. And it just reminds me, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. They got some sick fuckers that do this. <laughs> that's, in every, that's in every profession, good, bad, every profession, but this, like, I know they got some sickos that, uh, that handle that. But anyway, you've ever seen a... Uh, Arkansas University of Arkansas for medical sciences. Little Rock has said that that's where the medical school sent remains of cadavers that had been donated for medical students to examine. Scott approached Polly in October, 2021 and began offering to sell him remains from the medical school that the mortuary was supposed to cremate and return. Just out of curiosity, would you know anyone in the market for a fully intact embalmed brain? Indictment alleges Scott wrote to Polly in her first Facebook message. Now, how do fuck do I get put in Facebook jail every week? Kicked off my shit. And I ain't ever asked anybody to they want to buy an embalmed brain. That I mean, and I don't even say anything that's just, that's bad. The indictment alleges <laughs> that over the next nine months, Scott sold Polly fetuses, brains, hearts, lungs, genitalia. Large pieces of skin and other body parts. At one point, the indictment indictment alleges Scott sold the remains of a fetus at a discount, writing, he is not in great shape. Okay, this fits has got to go on Woody's list. Whatever it's called, the, the all Woody team, uh, the all Woody team, starting at center. A discount on a right discount. He was saying it's not in great shape. What the? It's but, like you're selling right? a freaking used car, Pro- man. Prosecutors argue that Scott should remain jailed until trial. Um, yeah, U.S. Attorney guy, yeah. Amanda Jagley telling the judge on Friday that Scott could be motivated to flee by the prospect of a long prison sentence. Well, no shit. I think the facts underlying the indictment and in the indictment are uniquely egregious and objectionable and we believe there is going to be some significant public outcry as a result of this i agree my outcry is about facebook yeah and, and, and no That's seriously crazy. it's about this crazy bitch yeah um or he said the alleged conduct is shocking and depraved but since scott isn't alleged to be dangerous under federal rules he is only supposed to order her jailed if she is a flight risk wow whatever uh and you know, Polly, the, the dude that received the shit, is charged in Pennsylvania with a misdemeanor count of abuse of a corpse, a felony count of receiving stolen property, a misdemeanor count of receiving stolen property, a felony count of dealing in proceeds of an office, a whole bunch of other shit, y'all. And uh, so he, I don't even he, know. So he's going to get put away for, I mean. Uh, not, not, 
No. No, most of these are misdemeanors. I mean, he'd probably get probation. Well, what what the fuck? The, what, they, they need to investigate and see what he was doing with all that shit. Of course. Yeah. I mean, he looks like a, a character out of oh, the, yeah, yeah. Out of the bar in Star Wars. Hey, I bet you he was eating them. You just, oh, God. You got to look at his face. And he's got the hoop earrings. He's got what are those things growing spikes. out of his head? He's got spikes, spikes in, out of his and, head. Uh, We're posting. Don't those worry. Transplanted in his head. One eye is 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 dyed black. I guess half of his face is tattooed, and he's got tattoos in his lips and everything else. Yeah, yeah he's eating. Yeah, he's eating. He probably listens to Twisted Sister. Yeah. You want to do it your life? I want to rock. Talk about, talk about dated uh-huh. references. No, you give me a hard time on the twisted sister. There yeah. you go. Um, I met that guy. What's his name? What's his name? Right. Come on, man. This is one scary look. Remember, we had the, the guy that I loved that had the full. Yes, um, they look uh, like the alien. Yeah, they yeah. called him they, the alien. They, that's they, the thing. His name was they, the alien. They, they make themselves look like aliens. Yeah. This guy is. Uh, I think he's scared, much scarier looking than the alien guy. I thought yeah. the alien guy actually got, you know, kind of cute yeah. with everything that that they. I mean, the alien is, guy. Well, this guy's twisted too. We're gonna we're hey, gonna post a picture. But you know what though? He got the deal of the week on on a fetus that wasn't in that great of shape. Holy right. shit! We've done some crazy stories. This one kind of just. I, I, I just threw up in my this, mouth again. I mean, that that goes, guy. This chick goes on the uh, whole Woody team. She may be center or a guard or something. That's the second story from Pennsylvania today. And like, what's going on in Pennsylvania? Well, we all know a resident professional, an expert on Pennsylvania, is is Mike. Yeah. So, Mike, we're giving you a free trip to Pennsylvania because that's where you love the people up there, don't you? Yeah. Well, I have learned an awful lot about <laughs> the the state. Um, and for those of you, you who really, don't know what Woody's really talking Philadelphia. about, you yeah. need to go listen to, with the benefit of hindsight, the true story about of the, the Penn State scandal. Penn State and scandal. Uh, you will learn a lot about what a mess yeah. rural Pennsylvania is. You do but, that, but you also have been, you capped on, on Philadelphia a whole lot of times on this show. That's a, it's more of a giant Eagles, Mets, okay. Phillies, uh, uh, Knicks seventy so, sixers. That's more of a sports rivalry thing because yeah. they're the worst fans Flyers. in the world. But yeah. they're All not right. really an Islander rival. But um, right. anyway, let's go to La La Land where everything is wonderful. The weather is great. The the beautiful uh, the beautiful mountains. The snow capped mountains. The, uh, everything Pocahontas. is everything is beautiful in Los Angeles. Uh, you got mountains in Los Angeles? Uh, yes. Lots of lots of mountains. Not like what's the mountain here? That's five hundred and thirty five feet. Mount Driscoll. Yeah, but, yeah, but Mount Driscoll. 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 We're, yeah. we're going to go mountain climbing on Mount Driscoll one of these days. But I want to talk to you about James Heaps. James Heaps was a faculty member at the David Geffen School of Medicine and an OBGYN at UCLA Health from twenty fourteen to twenty eighteen. Heaps was convicted of three counts of sexual battery by fraud and two counts of sexual penetration of two patients while being acquitted on some others. A press release issued by Los Angeles DA's office uh, at the time of the conviction shared that jurors could not reach a unanimous verdict on three counts of sexual battery by fraud, four counts of sexual penetration of an unconscious person, 
and two counts of sexual exploitation of a patient, but there were plenty of other things to convict him on. So following the conviction, Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon, don't get me started, shared in a statement, quote, while we respect the jurors' decisions on the acquitted counts, we are obviously disappointed. Last Wednesday, Superior Court Judge Michael Carter handed down the sentence while also ordering him to register as a sex offender. More than 500 lawsuits have been filed against Heaps and UCLA, alleging that the institution failed to protect his patients. The LA Times reported that the women involved with the cases testified that the former doctor groped them, penetrated them with his ungloved hand, and committed acts of sexual stimulation right. under the guise of medical examinations. Is University Chancellor Jean Bach, don't rain on my story. Would. University <laughs> Chancellor Jean Bach and Vice Chancellor John Mazziotti denounced his actions in an open letter on in June. <laughs> Sexual abuse in any form is unacceptable and represents an inexcusable breach of the physician-patient relationship. We're deeply sorry that a former UCLA physician violated our policies and standards, our trust, and the trust of his patients, the letter read in part. After initiating an independent review of the case, the university agreed to pay nearly $700 million in payouts to his victims. The case bears a striking resemblance to the case involving U.S. gymnastics and Dr. Larry Nasser, formerly of Michigan State University, uh, who was also the former physician for Team USA. In Nasser's case, he got away with his abuse for years by claiming he developed a technique that healed certain female muscles more rapidly by massaging the muscles from inside the vagina. Yeah, called, if you know that story, the G spot. If you know that story, um, you uh, you know that. The gymnasts for years were telling their parents about what this guy was doing, and they uh, they didn't believe their kids. They believed yeah. the doctor. Yeah, they believed this was I mean, a legitimate I'm joking technique. around and stuff. I, I hate it. I hate it for all those uh, victims and these assholes that abuse their positions. Well, and once they got control of that guy's computer, they found like thousands and thousands of hours of porn yeah. and all coming, yeah. which is what happens in this ca- these cases when you get the right person. That's um, $700 million. It's almost what, what Fox paid. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter. If it, if, it was, if it was my kid, uh, $700 it's not worth it, right? So no amount of money is worth having somebody be right. Amen. They need to send him to prison and let them practice a prostate massage on his ass. That's right. right? They will. That that yeah, that's likely to happen. So, all right, y'all. Well, here we go. I mean, we're talking about orgasms and uh, molestations and all that shit. I'm gonna take you to the next story. Now, this one, y'all. I don't really see. How come you get all of these kinds of stories? What what is it about you that lands you these stories? The way my brain attracts shit. uh, (laughs) I don't really know that this one is a crime, other than maybe someone's peace could have been disturbed and some people's peace weren't disturbed. There was a concert goer who was watching the Philharmonic crank out Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony at the Walt Disney Concert Hall when she apparently became sexually aroused one witness seated near the woman told the times i saw the girl after it had happened and i assumed that she had an orgasm because she was heavily breathing and her partner was smiling and looking at her like in an effort to not shame her 
<laughs> it was quite beautiful. <laughs> Another yeah. attendee tweeted the woman was having a loud and full body orgasm yes. to the sounds of the music and the band carried on. <laughs> a third person said the woman's apparent moment of pleasure was wonderfully timed to a romantic swell in the melodies. And he added, one can't know exactly what happened, but it seemed very clear from the sound that it was an expression of pure physical joy. Yeah. More evidence of the climatic moment surfaced online in an audio clip. You hear someone in the throes of a loud orgasm as the symphony plays the fifth second movement. One concert girl poured cold water on the orgasm theory, and the witness took to Twitter claiming that the woman had a breakdown of some sort, and then everyone in the crowd... Always the one... Everyone in the pack crowd was worried it was a medical emergency. Well, I would submit this person probably never had a true orgasm, right? Now... The naysayer. And... I, right. You, and look, you, you want to have a, a great orgasm. You want to have a motherfucker break down. Yeah. <laughs> look, and let me tell you, some of them, some of them symphonies can move you and it just moved her in, a, gonna, in a different kind I'm of way. Gonna, and that, that particular crying. song is known to do that. Right. And I'm going to tell you, uh, there's not many people that have this, but we, we actually have a recording from that somebody recorded of her in the throes of passion during that symphony. So we're going to play that right now. Yes. So here it is. You want to real life real crime daily. And you'll hear the band. Just keep on going. Well, there God, I would have loved to have seen what she would have done if Barry, if she was at a Barry White show. I mean, <laughs> imagine, what, imagine what that would have sounded like. Oh yes. my God! The uh, um, whoever her companion was got off easy, right? And then, yeah. uh, so anyway, y'all, that it's a clear incident. You hear, you heard it on Real Life of Crime, and you let us know what. That's you it. Think, right? That's it. We love so. it. An obvious crime, definitely a crime. I mean, mate, the. Uh, Somebody so the one try person, to turn that into the one crowd. asshole in the crowd because they're always one. Yeah. Okay. Always one. Just have a, a good orgasms and some good right. classical music. That's right. And now we're going to move on to Lake Mead and Lake uh, look that a bunch of times. Yeah, Lake Mead is has been having some issues with water levels dropping really all over the nation. A lot of these lakes are going through that, and some human remains have been discovered during these drops in water level and uh human remains discovered last summer as a matter of fact near las vegas at lake mead have been identified as a 52 year old missing man who was missing since the 1990s y'all uh the skeletal remains of claude russell pensiger of las vegas were found in pieces near the shoreline of boulder beach at lake mead the coroner could not determine a cause or manner of death. Uh, Pensinger was thought to have been fishing around the Boulder Beach area in the time of his July 14th, 1998 disappearance. As the waters of Lake Mead have receded during an unprecedented drought, human remains have been found on at least six occasions just at this lake. In March, the coroner's office identified the skeletal remains of a 39-year-old man by the name of Donald Smith, a former resident of North Las Vegas who drowned in Lake Mead in 1974, y'all. Smith's remains were discovered in the Colville Bay area by contractors working near the marina 
in 2022 and officials have said his death was accidental. Now a person who remain a person whose remains were found in a corroded barrel in Lake Mead over the weekend though is thought to have been killed decades ago. The unidentified person in the barrel who is believed to be a man was discovered by boaters on Sunday. Detectives believe the victim was killed sometime in the mid 70s to early 80s based on the clothing and footwear the victim was found with. As detectives noted, there was a gunshot wound. Uh, The identification of the victim will be released when it becomes available. The decade-old barrel is believed to have originally been about 100 feet underwater in several hundred yards from the shore. And what if, y'all, it turned out to be... Mafia related, yeah. Bugsy. What? No. What? Uh, what was the guy that Sleeping they never found? Vicious. Jimmy. Oh, Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Hoffa. What if it turned out to be him? And Mike's Philadelphia. So no, no, no. He was in uh, the Jersey Meadowlands. So the, the, <laughs> the water level has dropped so much, y'all, over the last thirty to forty years that when a person was located, if a person were to drop the barrel in the water and it sinks, you are never going to find it unless the water level drops. Uh, the water level has dropped and made barrels visible. The barrel did not move. It was not like the barrel washed up. So basically, the water level just exposed the barrel. It, it didn't float anywhere. On May 7th of 2022, two sisters discovered the remains of 42-year-old Thomas Ernt, who had reportedly drowned on August 2nd of twenty of 2002 while on a boating excursion. So the positive out of this is a lot of people are able to find rem- finally get remains of their family members that you know they did drown in Lake Mead and they were never able to find these bodies. Yeah, they also I think uh, maybe it wasn't in that article another one they found the original uh, Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson sex tape. Yeah, right. Fell off that <laughs> that houseboat that they were touring Lake Mead in a few years back. Um, I don't know if it was no. in condition, perfect condition to view, but I was going to ask how many of them had to see. Hey, so many. Who, who hasn't seen that tape? I've seen it. <laughs> T- Tiffany weighing in. Tiffany, I'm sure everybody's, <laughs> seen, everybody's it. seen that, right? I, you know what? It's one of the few that, if you're around a group of women and you say. Almost unanimously, yeah, the women it. have seen it. Yeah, everybody's seen it. We're like, I ran away from the Kim Kardashian one. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I've never seen the Kim Kardashian. I, I saw Paris Hilton. And she, she didn't look like she was having a good time. Paris. Oh, here we go. My banjos. Your banjos. Banjo time. We, need, we need to move it. Time move on. No more small talk. When yeah, going you're to looking for banjos. Um, in a move earning an honorable mention for dumbest crimes, so I, I didn't have this totally pegged for uh, banjos, but let's let's put it all the way in dumbest crimes. A Massachusetts man allegedly responded to a Craigslist ad requesting bomb materials. The man allegedly planted a <laughs> fake bomb on Harvard University's campus in an attempt to extort a large amount of Bitcoin from the Ivy League school. This is according to a criminal complaint that was unsealed on Tuesday. William A. Giordani, who's 55 years old, was arrested on Tuesday, May 2nd, by FBI agents in Massachusetts and was charged with conspiracy along with aiding and abetting an extortionate threat. According to an affidavit by Harvard University police, Thomas Carnes 
working with the FBI's Boston Area Joint Terrorism Task Force, Giordani answered a Craigslist ad posted on April 11th, allegedly from a man named Win Mine. Hmm, suspicious name, Win Mine, with a New Jersey phone number who offered $300 to somebody who could buy and deliver, quote, some item to his eldest son, who is a Harvard student. Giordani allegedly fulfilled the request and bought fireworks in New Hampshire and several items from a Massachusetts Home Depot store, including a sturdy tool bag, a safe, and wires. So this guy, Win Mine, uh, had listed those items for uh, uh, for this guy to buy and to deliver to his supposedly that he had a son at mm. at Harvard. Shortly before two thirty p.m. on April thirteenth, the Harvard University PD received a call from a computer generated male voice. Well, we got another AI crime. The complaint states, noting that it came from the same New Jersey number that placed the Craigslist ad. Quote. Now, this is a disguised computer voice that's saying this, and I'm not going to attempt that. There are three bombs planted around the Harvard campus, and we are ready to provide undeniable proof, the distorted voice said. For the sake of the student, do not hang up until we have a chance to demonstrate that this situation is real. Each device had an explosive yield of at least 80 megajoules. Guys familiar with the megajoule? Yes. What are, you, what, what are you doing? I'm not doing anything. What is that? What are you talking about? Stretching. Is that a stretch? I don't know what you're talking about. Are you not captivated by my dumb defensive? criminal story? I'm not being defensive. <laughs> I pay attention during your stories. I'm sorry. You're, you got in a lot of trouble. Okay? You, in my high school dream, you Me- it didn't seem to get in a lot of trouble. But Mega jewels, like, I'm very familiar. I have two. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> So well, good, good for you, because uh, that represents about six tenths of a gallon. So, uh, yes, that would six be your your That's mega jewels would right. be very full. Harry um, <laughs> so each device I'm trying, folks, I'm trying, had an explosive yield of at least 80, 80 mega jewels and contained several pounds of metal shrapnel. The caller continued, saying that the force would kill at least 40 students and injure hundreds more. The caller gave the Harvard police 100 minutes to meet his demands and told Harvard PD to prepare to pay, quote, a large Bitcoin transaction. In the meantime, you should begin preparing a large Bitcoin transaction as soon as possible so that any technical difficulties can be resolved in the next 96 minutes. This guy was very particular with his numbers, 100 minutes and uh, 96 minutes. We also request that you send the Bitcoin using the fastest available transaction speed, because if we cannot completely confirm payment within 100 minutes, within the 100 minutes, we will detonate the bombs regardless of whether there is a transaction in progress. Mm. So this, this guy really did his work on this. According to the complaint, the caller said that the exact Bitcoin amount would be supplied in subsequent text messages. But between 2.36 p.m. and 4.06, the Harvard PD received six additional calls, five of them from the New Jersey number with uh, additional demands for payment. During the fourth call, the caller said that one of the explosives was in the Science Center Plaza, a popular spot for students to gather. You might the, be the fastest reader I've ever heard, Mike. The <laughs> caller said that the device was in a red and black Husky tool bag located between food trucks. You people wonder why I'm sensitive about the Butterfield issue. <laughs> Police shared that April 13th, quote, was the first 80 degree day of spring, a day when students and other members of the Harvard community would reliably be eating, studying, socializing in the plaza and other outdoor 
uh, spaces on campus. According to the complaint, just after 2 p.m., an hour and 15 minutes later, police spotted Giordani by the Harvard webcam walking onto the plaza, onto the plaza with the red and black Husky tool bag. Woody's got me all left up. I can't, <laughs> I can't talk anymore. Campus police arrived. They found the bag and they quickly evacuated the plaza and nearby buildings. The entire Harvard community was issued a campus-wide alert informing students and faculty of the bomb threat. The Cambridge Bomb Squad was requested and used a robot device, which executed a controlled destruction of the bag. Investigators also found a metal locking safe containing a package of wire fireworks and a small rectangular box with wires attached to it. The package of wire had a yellow Home Depot sticker attached to it with the name Win Mine on it and the same New Jersey phone number the Craigslist poster and caller had used. It also included an order number, the store manager's name, and the phone number of the Home Depot in Boston. We're almost there, folks. On April 25th, law enforcement had enough evidence to link Giordani to the crime. They called him and he agreed to meet them in Tingsboro, Massachusetts at 10 a.m. on April 27th. But Giordani allegedly failed to appear. Later, he agreed to meet the FBI at their Bedford, Massachusetts office with his mother on May 1st. Was that Monday? What is his mom? That was Monday. Yeah, he's bringing his mommy. He's 55 years old. Holy if, shit, if how you long recall. is this story? <laughs> on on so May 1st, Giordani's Holy mother shit. was the only one that came to that meeting. She shared that he that Giordani was afraid he would be arrested for transporting fireworks across state lines. Eventually, Giordani agreed to speak to officers on the speakerphone. I'm throwing in the white flag, and I am going to just bring you to the end of this. Uh, this guy responded to a just a complete farce. There is no uh, win mine. Uh, he's not real. The whole thing was uh, was him being jacked around. He did everything that uh, uh, that they asked him to do, which means he committed uh, several felonies and is going to go to uh, prison. He actually faces a combined maximum of 25 years in prison. And is scheduled to appear in court today, Friday, May 5th. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't hit me. Sorry, Tiffany, I didn't hit you, Dad. You missed it. Cue it one more time. Here we go. So After a story down. like that, we yeah. gotta bring you this intro's a been story sanctioned. like this. Yeah. We go. All right, y'all. Yes. This is Kinky Crimes from May 5th, 2023. And y'all, there was an offer. Not only one cop could refuse, but three. What? Refu- three refused. Three. A Florida woman was arrested for drunken driving and possession of marijuana and cocaine. Offer repeatedly to perform oral sex, more commonly referred to as blowjobs, gentlemen, uh, <laughs> or three different officers, if they would drop the charges. And that that's in the rest of the affidavit. Uh, cops rejected her plea bargain, and she was hit with three counts of bribery. Ariel Ingert, 24, was pulled over and charged with drunken driving. She allegedly failed a series of field sobriety tests. Her blood... Her BAC was 0.162, more than twice the legal limit, and she also admitted she had a bag of weed in her purse. 
Um, while being processed uh-huh. for two crimes, she allegedly tried to play Let's Make a Deal with Deputy Brian Sudbrink and offered to wait, perform. Wait, wait, wait. What was his name? Sudbrink. Oh. S-U-D-B-R-I-N-K. I thought you said suck. Brink. <laughs> she, 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 she might like, have wanted to do that. She, or, she, or, she ordered she offered to give him a blowjob and to perform other sex acts if he dropped the charges. But it didn't work, and she was taken to county jail. I don't also, list this podcast. Where officers discovered a small bag of cocaine in the right side of her bra. I wonder who found that one. Mm. That that added felony charges of narcotics you possession and intro of contraband into a detention facility. But when she was rejected again, police added three counts of robbery to her rap sheet. And hmm. we're going to post her smiling photo. This is her, her booking photo. And that's it. Today's Kinky Crimes. Oh, yeah. She's a kinky one. A kinky lady. It doesn't say her job like that. Yeah. It's the Felicia. Very good. Or maybe Very so good. Thank sex. you for that, Woody. Yes, yes. Oh, In the future, oral sex. Woody is the oral, oral sex. More commonly referred to as blowjob. I am yielding my time on They Stole What because I don't want to have the inferior They Stole What story because Woody already did the stolen body parts from the guy who looks hey, like he hey, came from the bar scene hate. in Star Wars. And, and I got to do the uh, so orgasm and, and, and so the we're gonna I, go right I to this yield day, my right? time to Mr. Chapman. Yes. This day in crime, y'all. May 5th. And we're going to tell you about a couple that you may be familiar with, one you may not. Now, in 1993, Steve Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers are reported missing in West Memphis, Arkansas. Oh, I remember that. The three eight-year-olds were found dead the next day. Their case was known as the West Memphis They didn't worry to work that mm-hmm. motherfucker because I already know who did it. The victims were killed in what was believed to be a satanic ritual, and David Eccles, David Baldwin, and Jesse Miss Kelly were convicted of the brutal crimes in 94, but were Didn't released in 2011 after taking the Alford plea, which is accepting a guilty plea while maintaining their innocence. Right. So that was in 1993 this day, and in, 19, in 2007 this day, Paris Hilton. Right. Was sentenced to forty five days in jail for violating probation. Yeah. She was. She yeah. was in two thousand seven. Paris went to jail. Paris went to jail. And you can look that it up. Destroys folks. my image of of Paris. And finally, jail is not a good place for her. I wouldn't think <laughs> jail is not a good look for anybody. I don't think. Uh, and finally, in twenty sixteen, Lonnie Franklin Jr. is convicted of ten counts of murder. He's sentenced to death, and he is known as the Grim Sleeper. Really? Yeah. So serial killer. The the what? Memphis three were in prison for seventeen years. And one of them was on death row. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but we'll, we'll talk about that another day. Well, but you, we, you know who did it? Oh yeah, the stepdad did it. Hey, did they? The, did he get uh, ever get convicted for it? No, no, no. He's dead now. And uh, but if Woody Overton worked that, I'd have told the truth. <laughs> and, and they fucked so it stay all tuned up. for that yeah. but that's this day in crime but let me say right. Right, right before you hit it real quick i gotta give a shout out to my beautiful bride cindy it was 16 years ago today that we were rehooked up for the first time 
So you consider that a day of crime? crime. (laughs) (laughs) Did you you put handcuffs on her or something? I might have. (laughs) It was a crime to all the other ladies in the world that couldn't have any more of this. Cindy, Cindy, did you have the right to remain silent? Yes, indeed. (laughs) Re-hooked up? Well, yeah, because we knew each other from high school. We were like best friends. She dated my best friend. I dated hers in high school. Uh, anyway, so right. our, my mom and dad went on. So our, while she was dating your best friend, you hooked 50s. up with her. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, there should be an episode. That, that, hey, that's no. the episode. She, my wife would deny that. But anyway, All right. Well, you shouldn't talk that, that way about saying right. But I know that you would not let that happen, sir. May 5th, this day in crime. Thank you. Love it. As uh, usual. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. Guess what? Starting next week, y'all love Real Life Real Crime Daily so much. Yes. We are going to bring it to you four, four days, days a, week. a week. Four, four days a week. Four. 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 And, then, and that'll be Mondays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays Thursdays, and Friday. And on Tuesdays, you get your regular Real Life That's Real right. Crime episodes. So some sort of Real Life Real Crime every day. All day long. It's Woo. a gift that keeps on giving. All year round. And I, I, I give you all, all a hard time. Like, you know I love you. And yeah, Sunday's right. Jim is going to do a religious service. <laughs> that will be our no Sunday. Our you're going to do you're going to do yeah. uh, a, a podcast all by yourself where you can talk all the political shit that you want to. Yes, you think I want to do? Look, don't tempt him. Don't tempt him. But you can't put it on the speed. <laughs> He'll have Tucker on here. <laughs> Tucker, come back. Somebody will hire you. All right, love y'all. Thank love y'all. You. And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton, and I'm Mike Agavino, your host of Real Life Real Crime Daily. Peace. Show business.